Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Let's look at some of the headlines in the newspapers. Adams was Army Council member, says IRA veteran. Adams sat with me on Army Council, says IRA man. And the other papers uh, have similar uh, revealing shocks that Jerry Adams was in the IRA. Uh, let me speak to Malachi O'Doherty about this. Malachi, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Malik, you've written widely about the IRA and about the troubles. And yeah, I have a book about Jerry Adams published just a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, I've I've made my way through it. I have, and <laughs> you know, I, I don't think you'd be shocked to hear he was in the IRA. Well, I'm not shocked to hear it said that he was in the IRA. I, we have to be alert to the fact that the man has turned litigious in his old age. But um, so, but it is commonly said that he was in the IRA and he's commonly denied that he was in the IRA. Uh, this is in contrast with several other members in, in the party uh, who who are candid about having been in the IRA, uh, and like Carol Cullen, Jerry Kelly, Martina Anderson, Conor Murphy, Jennifer McCann, Bobby Story, Alex Maskey, Pat Sheehan, Raymond McCartney. So they, uh, you know, they uh, are never asked outright, you know, well, was Jerry in the IRA, you know? And it might be very interesting to, to hear how they would respond, because I think they would usually respond with a deflection. They'll not, they'll not address the, the question precisely. But, uh, you know, you never hear them say that he wasn't in the IRA, and that's an interesting point as well. The question of whether he was in the IRA, he was charged, he was charged once in 1977 and uh, when he, with membership of the IRA. When he was brought before the court, there was a very interesting legal device introduced by uh, uh, P.J. McGrory, his, 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 his solicitor, where they asked the court to rule that there was no case to answer in the sense to issue what was called a true bill, something like that. And um, and the court determined that he didn't have to be charged uh, until this consideration was made on whether it was a valid charge. And the court determined that it wasn't a valid charge and therefore he didn't even have to uh, refuse to recognise the court because it was never actually put to him. But there was evidence prepared to be brought before the court at that occasion, uh, including eyewitness accounts of him receiving a salute, uh, the lowering of flags at an Easter ceremony in Longkesh during his, his period of committal there. Um, we have the diaries of Ian Phoenix, uh, published by his wife Susan and Jack Holland, you know, in which uh, he lists uh, members of the, by his assessment or the uh, special branch assessment of, uh, uh, because Ian Phoenix was a member of the special branch, he died in the Mull of Kintyre crash. And so, we have his assessment of the of the key figures that had to be watched out for, and, and one of them was Jerry Adams. I had a briefing by no less a person than the GOC, uh, you know, over lunch once at People Barracks, and we asked him, a group of journalists, we asked him who the members of the Army Council were, and he gave us the seven names of members of the Army Council, and they included, uh, uh, by his assessment, Jerry Adams and um, uh, Martin McGuinness. So... Uh, 
you know, it's it's been in the, under discussion for a long time. You know, it's been said many times that he was a member of the IRA, and it's never been very uh, plausibly denied either. I think. Is it possible? Ringing all around me, but yeah, you're okay. Is is it possible that Jerry Adams, who is obviously very close to the Republican movement during the darkest days of the Troubles, and was seen as a central guiding light for strategy and uh, political initiative and and all all of that? Is it possible that he could have been involved in everything without actually having joined the IRA? Is there a process where you join, where you take? A note where you sign, and he never actually did that. So technically, he's never been in the IRA. Well, he was a member of the movement at the time of uh, Billy McMillan, and the, before the split, he was a member of the the organisation when it was the uh, uh, official Republican movement. He was in the movement, put it that way, and. Um, he uh, that was at a time when new recruits to the IRA were being green booked, as they call it, in the art school in Divis Street. There was a room there where they used to bring them in and and put the flag on the table and get them to swear committal. I I mean, unless somebody who was there would say, you know, that he was, uh, you know, then how would you know? But certainly, uh, for instance, uh, uh, his sister Margaret was, you know, his sister's uh, husband Mickey McCarty was. Um, you know, the, uh, we know the names of most of the people who were in the IRA at that time, like Joe McCann and uh, uh, Des Sullivan and Billy McKee and, and various others that I won't air on air. But, uh, you know, Adams was acquainted with all those people. Uh, when the uh, split came in 1970, he was more affiliated, if you like, he went with the provisional movement. We'll still call it the movement rather than the IRA, since that's where we're in dangerous ground legally. But... Um, you know, he was used by Billy McKee, who was the OC of the uh, of the provisional IRA, the commanding officer in Belfast of the provisional IRA. He was used to, with him to negotiate truces with the uh, official IRA during feuds in, in the early 70s as well. And when he came out of prison in 77, one of the first things that he did was to settle a feud between the uh, uh, the officials and the provisionals. So... To have that amazing influence within the uh, within the Republican movement that he could negotiate on behalf of the IRA at Clonard Monastery with the leadership of the official IRA uh, to settle uh, feuds, you know, is quite amazing. And I mean, and I understand, in fact, that the person that he was negotiating with in 77 to settle the feud was, was his own brother-in-law. That's so, a- I mean, the- yeah, it's, you're hearing phones ringing all around me, aren't you, Frank? Or no, no, no you're, you're okay. You're okay. It's, a, it's an incredible story when you listen to how you describe it. And obviously, having read your book, Malachi, it's it's something I would advise people to have a skim to have a skim uh, through. Uh, watching Spotlight tonight, of course, will be must see television as it was uh, last week. Uh, Des Long seems to be a major contributor uh, to the Spotlight investigation of the Spotlight uh, series, and he is the the person who will be saying that uh, Jerry Adams was in the IRA. He was on this programme. He was on the Spotlight programme la- last week and he, he was a member h- himself. Uh, Alison Morris, h- how reliable a source is Des Long on this, uh, considering that he is no real friend of Jerry Adams? 
So I think Maliki was with me when we went to the, the screening of this, the first series of the Spotlight and that was one of the questions that was asked and the BBC at that time, the journalist said that they're not saying that this is the history of the Troubles, it is a history of the Troubles and history is subjective and people's views are subjective and so what you must look, when you see Des Long and anyone who watched it last week and watched it this week will see that Des Long is a very unrepentant and very open about his his past. Um, he's quite jovial actually and laughs throughout it, you know. But what you have to remember is Des Long is part of that faction that split from the provisional movement in 1986. Um, he um, went on to become a senior figure in Republican Sinn Féin. So no, he isn't a, a friend of, of Jerry Adams and also nobody from mainstream Sinn Féin took part in this documentary. They actually have said that they refused to take part. So when we're looking back <coughs> at history and as journalists, when we're trying to cover legacy, you have to remember that everyone you speak to, they might be telling you their truth. And I always say that. It's not that someone's telling you lies. They're telling you their truth. But their truth over time becomes blurred or it becomes changed or a narrative that is, is set out in public becomes fact when it may not be, be so and that becomes blurred. And we can see the problems that coroners have faced when they're doing historic inquests and all sorts of other things because people's truth does become, it becomes changed and it becomes blurred and it becomes um, in some ways almost subject to folklore over time. So days long, you know, anyone watching it will make up their own mind whether he's telling the truth or not. In regards to Jerry Adams, we are still in a place where... There, we, we don't have a settlement, our peace process in relation to legacy. We don't know what that's going to be. We have a series of proposals, but we have no government to push them forward. And so at this point in time, anyone who is or admits to being involved in um, any kind of illegal activity, it doesn't matter how far, far back you go, you can go right back to 1969, 1970, you're still subject to prosecution. Um, and that, that remains the case. And I don't know that if we do get a settlement to our our um, legacy process, if there is a point in time where there is some sort of amnesty um, line in the sand, I think that there are many people who might come forward and tell very different versions of the history than the one that they're telling now. But I mean, I, I still have to do as a security correspondent, I deal with people who are either past or in some cases present, paramilitary figures, and there's none of them are going to say on the record what they're involved in because they would be subject to prosecution in relation to that. That doesn't mean that the, the spotlight and what it is is not worth pursuing. So this story is something I know that the crew has taken over three years to make. It has cost an astronomical amount of money in terms of budget. But I think that in the absence of a legacy process, an official legacy process, it does fall to journalists and the media and, and the state broadcaster to a degree to tell to tell those stories and to allow people to have that voice and put something that maybe future generations can go back and look at that is documented on the record because those stories are being lost and people's memories are fading or they're dying. Um, and so the, the programme is fascinating. I know you probably watched the first one. I watched the second one yesterday. Um, it's not quite as explosive in that, you know, that we've seen now some of that archive footage and this, it was at least a bit of a shock the second time around. Um, but as this goes on, I think, and as the time moves on, because well, it's not completely chronological, we're, they're currently around the mid-70s in the second one, and then it'll move on to, to the 80s. And I think that what I found more interesting about this programme was not Jerry Adams, because we've all heard that before. It's like a once-a-year story. It was the many times that there were opportunities to bring peace to field. So what you'll see in the second one is um, Darren McIntyre goes and speaks to people who are involved in all sorts of secret talks, negotiations to try and bring about a settlement and to try and end the violence. And they came so close on so many occasions. 
and then for various reasons it fell away, whether that be signing deal, whether that be talks that were taking place between the British government and the IRA. They all failed at some point and you wonder if you could go back, if one of those processes, just one of them, had have worked to look how many people would still be alive or would have survived and how many people would not be traumatised today. Alison, thank you very much indeed. Looking forward to seeing the second episode of it uh, tonight. And I think it's important to wait until we see it all, all that's in the series, before we pass judgment on this, uh, as you say, a highly expensive uh, spotlight series. But uh, certainly well, well worth watching.